Well, um, are you guys having a good week this week? Are you guys, uh, I don't know if, if you're like me, but I've been seeing that, uh, you know, it's supposed to be the season of fun and Christmas cheer and everything, but there's a lot of stress still, yeah, in Christmas that's associated with it. And I hope you're not giving into it. I hope that you, you from church today, will be inspired to be a blessing and to bring the joy and bring the peace and bring everything that Christmas stands for and all that did Jesus coming to this earth stands for because uh, it's just weird. I've been noticing driving around, drivers are just more like, you know, irritable and shoppers are just going crazy. And it's, it's so ironic that it's the exact opposite of all that we're trying to be and all that we're trying to do and all that Jesus stood for. So um, we got to change that. It's, it's within our power to change that. So. Um, I hope you get inspired today by this message. You know, we're going back into the series of who do you think you are? And the series title basically is who do we think we are as Christians, as believers? What does the Bible say about us? What does God expect of us as, as believers? And, you know, that we started off the series, if you guys remember way back, we were talking about the fact that now that we're Christians, now the important thing is that we have a relationship with God. You guys remember that one? And we talked about three aspects about our relationship with God that are important to us, that he's not just... God that's out there, that's big, and that's just this power, but he's a personal God, number one, that he wants to be our father, right? Some of us have good fathers, some of us have bad fathers, doesn't matter, he's the perfect father, and he wants you to know him in that intimate way as a father. Secondly, we talked about Jesus, he's our savior, he's our advocate before the father, he's our healer, he's all of these things that we don't discount him for any of that, but it's cool that in scripture, he calls us his friend that we can realize that I have a relationship with a personal God. He's my father, he's my friend. He's already come to this planet, become a human, walked in my shoes, so that when I pray to him now, I know that he can sympathize with everything I'm going through because he went there already. He, you, know, you know that Jesus went through puberty as well? You guys understand that? He went through everything. We forget, we think he was holy. He's no, he fully man. You know, he had to deal with all the stuff that we go through. And so he's already been there. So he goes, you know what? I got you. you. You just tell me whatever you need. I'm here to walk through life with you. I already been there, done that. He's our friend. And thirdly, we realize the Holy Spirit is our helper, that we're not alone on this planet. Jesus didn't just come, do his thing, and go back to heaven. But he said, I've given you someone that every single day, no matter where you are, where you go, what you do, you can have help available to you right there through the Holy Spirit. So we understand that Christian identity I have this relationship with God that before I, I, I was far from him, now I have this intimacy, father, friend, spirit, helper. That's cool. Secondly, Pastor Tom talked about um, the second part of what we've been talking about in this, relation, or this identity series. He talked about the renewal that has happened in our lives. You guys catch the, um, the connection? We're using all our words, relationship, renewal, role. See, we're crafty like that. We're tricky. We're sneaky. We'd like you to be able to remember stuff that ours or whatever. But anyway, Tom talked about renewal. And so now you have a relationship with God. What does that do? It's transformed your life. You're different. You're not no longer the same old person, the same old person stuck in sin. In fact, Pastor Tom used the word, you're saints. You're holy. You've become holy. Turn to your neighbor right now and just say, you're very holy. Go on, turn to him and say it. Tell him, tell him. I don't care if you know him or not. That's your first introduction to them. You're holy. My name's Carl. Nice to meet you. But you know what's important about that is this renewal process that has happened, the transformation, is God says you're holy and you need to think of yourself as holy. And we, we don't. That's why we're having this series to remind us because what we think is, man, you know what I just did yesterday and the words that I spoke to my kids? Uh, you know what happened this week and I didn't make the wisest decisions. In fact, it was kind of a shady decision that went down on my job site. Or I gave in to gossip over here or temptation over here. I'm not holy. 
And that right there is a lie because God has said, if you come under his authority and you believe in his son Jesus and you believe in him, he calls you holy, right? It's not a matter of what you think, you are holy. If you're sitting here right now and you love Jesus and you've given your life to him, God says you are holy because the word holy doesn't mean perfect, right? It doesn't mean I'm a perfect without sin. You know what it simply means is? God says, you are now set apart for my purposes. Yeah, all your flaws and everything, we're gonna work on them together, but I call you holy because you're set apart for me now. So that gives us the right to look ourselves in the mirror in the morning when we're brushing our teeth and we're putting on our deodorant and we're doing whatever we're doing, fixing our hair. You're holy, I'm holy, right? That's cool because God has transformed us. So we got the relationship, we got the renewal. Today we're gonna talk about the role because the role is now that you got the relationship available to you, your life is transformed, the role is simply the function, how you walk it out in the day to day. Now I know I'm connected to God, but what, what role am I supposed to play? You know, we ask the question in the morning and it's like, for me, I play a lot of different roles based on the situation. Father, husband, friend, pastor. I like what Tom said, he's a dishwasher in the family. You know, you, you may have a certain role at work, you're a manager and, and at home you're the employee and someone else is the, the manager. I don't know, but, but we all play different roles. And the thing that we're getting after today is I want you guys to realize in the Christian identity, there's actually a role that you're supposed to play now. You used to live a life like this and function in this role. Now you live like this. My son is a perfect example of this role-changing thing and how he's different. My son is amazing. He's 11 years old. He's, he's not here today. He slept over his friend's house. But he, um, he's so random and he's so different. He's got all of these different roles that he plays that I'm always just trying to figure him out because he's, he's so interesting. In fact, my father-in-law who's visiting in town right now, uh, Grandpa Glenn, he's, he's in town with us for a while. He comes several times a year and he's 83 years old and he's, I gotta tell you this, he's the most lit up evangelistic Christian I know right now, currently. 83 years old and he only lives to tell people about Jesus Christ. It's amazing. But he comes into town and he's got, um, and if you meet him, you need to go meet him and talk to him. It'll just make your day. You will have a Merry Christmas after talking to Grandpa Glenn, I promise you. But he's so on fire. But he, he always uh, tells us about our son, about Isaac. He always tells us, oh, that boy, he's going to be an actor someday. Oh, he's such a good actor. He's such an actor. Because my son is pure drama. It's amazing. He's an 11-year-old boy, but he is so drama in every situation. Like, he's at home and he's with me. He's like this good, obedient son. Hey, Isaac, you left your stuff on the couch. You know, go put it away. Okay, Dad. He goes and puts it away. And he's like, he's like the good son, right? But then when, when, when he has to deal with mom, he just brings drama to the mama. That's all he, he just comes in. She goes, hey, Isaac, put away your stuff. No, you do it. I'm like, whoa, whoa where, where did the role change? What happened to the son, to the mom? He's very different. She'll tell him, hey, I've been telling you, you need to go take a shower. I told you guys this before. When she tells him to take a shower, he'll instantly drop to the ground sometimes. 11 years old, boom, no, I don't want a shower. Why do I got a shower? And we're just like, what in the world? And Grandpa goes, like, yep, that boy going to be an actor someday, right? He's drama. He can be, wow, it's a rain. That's cool. Can you guys still hear me? Crank up the volume. Hello, 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 hello. All right. So anywhere my son goes, he plays these different roles, and I'm always constantly trying to figure him out. He's, he's constantly like, you, I'm always trying to teach him, hey, just be tough. You know, you get hurt, just shake it off. But his favorite tools in the house, his favorite little things he carries with him, ice packs and the ace bandage. And anytime he gets hurt, it's like wrapped up. All of a sudden, I see him walking. I think I broke my arm, Dad. I'm like, you didn't break your arm, you know? And, and what, what was it he said the other day? What was the disease or something he thought? 
No, he thought he had whiplash, you know, and he's the one put on the neck thing, and the ace bandage is always wrapped somewhere on him, and ice packs always. I'm like, what happened? Oh, paper cut, paper cut. <laughs> but I, I promise you, this is, it blows my mind. Every situation, he's good with dad. He's drama over here. He goes to school, and apparently he's actually like the popular kid. I'm like, he looks so shy in this setting. No, he's popular, and he's like the ringleader. He gets all the other kids into mischief, and he's like a full leader. I'm like, wow, I'd have never known that, you know? And then there's sometimes when we've let him stay with babysitters, like our cousins come over to babysit, and then the wild Isaac comes out. They start texting us pictures. My wife and I are out to dinner or something like that. They're like, here's what Isaac's doing right now. He's got like the mullet wig on, the Spider-Man costume, Batman cape, underwear on the outside, and he's doing Gangnam style all around the house. And he's just, and we're just like, what in the world? Weirdest kid ever, but we love him, and it's our pleasure to just watch his life as parents and to see, God, what is this kid going to turn out to be? I cannot wait to see how you're going to use all of his giftings. But Grandpa Gunn says, oh, he's an actor. He's an actor. He knows how to play the different roles. And what I want you guys to catch today and to stick into your head is that we actually have been given a role to play now that we are Christians. Part of our identity is that we, we used to live like this. And basically, before Jesus Christ and finding salvation, you know what we used to live? You know the way that we used to live? It was pretty much looking out for number one. It was pretty much my life is all based on only what I make it. There's nothing else. It's all me. So what, for the happy, the sad, the whatever, I got to own it all, right? And it's like, I'm going to try to make enough money so I can have the nice stuff, um, but that's all on me, what I do with that stuff. And you know what? I'm going to try to be a good person. I'm trying to be a nice guy, but still, that's just kind of all up to me. And if, you know, if I have a family and kids and friends and whatever, it's, it's all what I make out of it. And you know, it's like I want to acquire as much stuff as I can to have a really great life, and then that's all you got. That's our life before. It's pretty self-centered. It's pretty focused. We're the boss of our own life, and it's, it's all what we make it. But you know that saying that they say, he who dies with the most toys wins. And a lot of us before Jesus, it's that. As long as I got everything I want, I'm happy. But then there's that other saying that says, he who dies with the most toys still dies. <laughs> I think that's a little bit more realistic. And what we're talking about today is there is a, a, a change that has happened in our lives as Christians that we need to walk in that. We need to walk in the new role. Don't just be the same old person and yet you added God to your life. You've got to realize that now that you're a Christian, God is your life and everything has really changed. So look at your notes right now. I, I put down two points. It's a two-pointer today. I've got other little sub-points in there, but there's two main things in the way that I view my role now as a Christian, and I've got the scripture to back it up. Don't just take my word for it, but I believe the Bible tells us there's two things, and look at the first point that I put down there. Plain and simple, if I can say this to myself every day and believe this, my role and my function will change. Number one, I was king, now he is king. Bottom of the line right there, that's it. That says it all is if I'm supposed to live a new way and have a new outlook on life, the main thing I have to understand is the world is not all about me and it doesn't all revolve around me. Now I have someone else who's bigger, smarter, better, who loves me more, who sees what I can't see, who has power to do things in my life that I could never do and I wanna be under his authority, amen? And so the sooner we understand that, the, the term role, you know, I looked up the word role, the definition for it means the function assumed or the part played by a person in a particular situation. So what is my part to play now that I know Jesus Christ? And the first thing I have to understand is I don't sit on the throne of my life anymore. There's a new king in town, right? And I make a whole lot better servant than I do a king. 
and I need to walk in this function. So here's some of the points that I got. I got four points under this first one that I want you to kind of think about and be reminded about your role. Here's the first one to write down to yourself. I've been brought back to a right relationship with God. I have been brought back to a right relationship with God. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. The word reconcile is a big deal. I've been brought back to a right relationship with God. The right relationship is one in which he is the king and I am the servant. And this is the right relationship that was intended when God created mankind in the very first place, right? He said, Adam and Eve, I love you. I wanna have a relationship with you, but clearly I'm the boss. If you treat me like the boss, I'll be a good boss. I'll love you, I'll lead you, I'll provide for you, I'll take care of you. We can have a right relationship where you live your life, I bless you, you love me, and that's perfect. The problem is we, mankind, we didn't like that, right? So we went after our own things, and I'm gonna try this fruit, and we let Satan come in, and he's ruler of this world now, and we're all influenced by him. We, we lost the relationship that was so good, we lost it with God. And God's whole plan was all along, let me bring in the Old Testament Mosaic law and the rules and the regulations that if they follow this, they're gonna do okay. And then he said, you know what, I got a better idea. You know, that's kind of hard for these people and I really want to have the right relationship with them. I'm just going to send my son once and for all. If they can have that relationship, then we're going to be back in that right, tight, good relationship for eternity. And see, the first thing we got to understand, if God is the king, is the right and proper relationship, the best relationship, is when we do let God be the king. When I was a senior in high school at Kalaheo, Kalaheo High School, I uh, was going to church and I we had a good youth group, you know, here at this church, and someone caught my eye. And I kind of fell, and I fell hard for a sophomore, yeah, dating a younger woman. I, I was 18, I was a senior, and I, was, I fell for a sophomore at Kamehameha, right? So the public school kid fell in love with the private school girl, and basically I ended up marrying her, praise God. But um, we, we got together, and we dated, and we were like a good couple, you know, and then because you're young, and you don't have it all figured out yet, we ended up breaking up after like a year, or two, two years, right? We broke up for a season. And we both, it was kind of the thing like, well, I wonder if there's anybody else better out there, right? And we played that game and we dated other people. And then um, I ended up going off to Bible college in the mainland and uh, kind of whatever circumstances, we kind of got back together. And, and we, we became boyfriend, girlfriend again and our relationship was restored. And we, we went back to the mainland and she got into the Bible college and we dated there for like a good another year or two or something. And then for, again, whatever reasons, we broke up again. And we just kind of went through that phase, like, oh, maybe it's better not to be together. But I remember coming back together, because we did get back together the second time. And I remember just going, you know what? This is right. This is meant to be. We, we keep breaking up. We keep getting back together. God obviously wants us together. We obviously can't stay away from each other for very long. You know, this is meant to be, and from that, moment on, it's like, let's do the whole deal. Marriage, 16 years later, never look back. I know I married the right one, right? And I'm blessed, amen? You know when you know that stuff, right? And here's the feeling that I had is, this is the right relationship that was originally there and I've come back to it and I've embraced it. I know I'm not going anywhere, this is the right thing. And with Jesus Christ and our relationship with him, it's that we've been brought back into this right relationship that just, we know it feels right, we know it's best for our life, where he is the king of our life, and he is the only one above us. We don't sit on the throne. Because here's the deal. When you become a Christian, it's not that you have your own kingdom and you bring God along and you add him to it. 
right? That would be like me getting married. Hey, Kanani, I do want to marry you. Um, this is my girlfriend, by the way, you know? And I'm just adding to it. That's, that's improper, right? The right relationship is I come under completely God's authority. I'm only married to Kanani, and I only have eyes for her and a heart for her, right? I'm only under God's authority. And so the first thing is, I've been back, brought back to a right relationship with God where he is the king, where I don't add him to my life. Christianity isn't my hobby. Christianity is my life. My entire life is in the Lord because he's the king of my life. Here's the second thing about this that I wanna say is, I am a temple of God, so where I go, God goes. We gotta remind ourselves of that. I am a temple of God. That means he's living in me everywhere I go, whatever I do, he is right there. For better or for worse, whether we like it or not, he is right there, and that's a good thing. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the, that the Spirit of God lives in you. That means wherever you go, the God's there. And so he's there to convict you. He's there to help you. He's there to empower you. Um, I, I, I travel sometimes, and I go to different places around the world. And one of the things that's always on my mind is my family. I, I go to some place that's beautiful or gorgeous or sightseeing or a new place or meet new people or whatever, and I'm going, I wish my wife was here. I wish you could meet my wife or, oh man, my kids would love to eat this food or they would love to experience, and I'm always thinking of my family. And in fact, even in, in hard times in my life, I'm, oh, I'm going through something hard. Part of what I think about is I gotta be strong because my family, I gotta provide for them and I gotta make sure that I'm a good example to them. But even on another level entirely than just your family being on your mind, God, the God of heaven, your king, is actually inside of you at all times. Whether you're thinking about him or not, he's still there. Isn't that a weird thought? Because there's times when you're, you're just totally not thinking about God. That doesn't change the fact that he's right there living inside of you. He's there right when you need him. If you ask, oh God, I walked away from you. No, I'm here, I'm still here. Yeah, you might be thinking that you're away from me, but I promise I'm right there. If you believe in me, trust in me. Where you go, I go. And so we need to, in remembering this, we need to remember that God, my new function is any decision I make, anything that I, I wanna think about or talk about or whatever I wanna do is I gotta check with you first because you're right here, you're with me at all times. And that's a good thing. He brings conviction, he brings the support you need, he brings wisdom. It's not up to me because I'm not on the throne of my life anymore. God is on the throne of my life. So the other thing is I have access to God's power wherever I go. You know, there's times when we just feel weak and we're like, I don't know what the answer is, I don't know what to do. Remind yourself that I'm a temple of God, he's living in me, he goes where I go. So. I don't have to have the answers. I ask God, he's gonna give me the answers, amen? See, I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, Carl, how old are you? And I was like, oh, 41. And um, he goes, yeah, well, I'm this age, I'm this, I can't believe I'm this much older than you, but anytime I talk to you, man, you just speak wisdom into my life. And you just always have the right answers and you're always like that. And I go, oh, that's pretty cool. I wish I could take credit for that. But really, it has nothing to do with me. I'm younger than you. You have all of this years of experience. Whatever's coming out of my mouth is simply the fact that I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit who's in me. So where I go, God goes. So when I speak, God can speak through me too. Amen? And so you have this unlimited power. You have access to it at all times. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to go get holy. You're already holy because he said you're holy, not you, right? So wherever you go, my other friend, I was talking to him, he's, he's saying, oh, I got problems with my wife and this, and here's my life now, and all of this, and I go, well, just let me pray for you. And we're on the phone, I just, I just prayed for him. And I hear him kind of choking up a little bit, and he's kind of like, oh, getting emotional. And he goes, hey, thank you for praying for me. Every time you pray for me, I just feel uplifted, I feel encouraged, I feel like I can go another day, and I feel this, and I feel that. I go, that's awesome. Too bad it's not me. 
You know, too bad it's not me that's doing that. All I'm doing is being a vessel because where I go, God goes. So all I'm doing is speaking what the Holy Spirit is telling me to say to you. And I said, and by the way, since you're a Christian too, you don't always even need to call me. I appreciate it. I'm friends with you. I will always pray for you. But I go, you need to realize that the Holy Spirit that's in me, he's in you too. And so you don't need to rely on other people's prayers because where you go, God goes. Isn't that a good word? That he's always there. He's always available to us if we're letting him be the king of our life. Um, the third thing I want to say is, is I, I say this to myself, and if God is my king, I now live in God's kingdom and I belong here. Write that down. I now live in God's kingdom, not the world's kingdom, and I belong in God's kingdom. Here's what it says in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, the message version. It says, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home, God's house. He's using us all irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape every day, day after day, a holy temple built by God, and all of us are built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. See, the next time you feel the enemy lying to you and speaking to you and saying how unworthy you are to be part of the kingdom of God. Oh, what, you call yourself a Christian? Look at who you are, look at how you act, look at the words that just came out of your mouth. The next time you hear those things, the next time you speak to yourself and you go, you know what, I'd love to live more for God, but I've got this incredible baggage that I carry around, I've got issues, I've got this, I'm just not feeling it right now. You know, the next time anybody else tries to put you down and go, oh, I thought you were a goody-goody church boy. How come you just messed up and did this? and you just feel like your faith is like, I'm not worthy, read this scripture and repeat to yourself, I belong and I fit in the house of God. That God created me, God says I belong here, God says that I'm rescued from the kingdom of self and of this world, I'm in his kingdom now and I belong here and I fit here in Jesus' name. And no one can take that away from you. No matter if you're like the, the brick that's kind of broken and cracked and a little bit ugly, God is going to fit you right in there anyway. And he goes, you belong here. I need one that looks like that. You guys ever seen the guys that build the, the rock walls, you know, the amazing lava rock walls? And I'm just watching how they put it all together with all the puzzle pieces, right? And you look at that. And sometimes I think, I'm probably not the big, impressive, perfect, round rock but I might be the little ugly, weird shape in one, but there's a place for me that fits perfectly in that, right? And that's the kingdom of God, and God is saying, you belong here and you fit perfectly. Don't let anybody take that away from you, amen? Yeah. Isn't this good stuff? This is what happens when you put ourselves in the kingdom of God, is that we live for him and we live for his plans, which are good plans. We live for his purposes. We live in his family, in his church community. If you came to church here today and you're feeling a little bit awkward, I'm telling you, don't feel awkward. You're right where you need to be. We are so stoked that you're here this morning and the church is made up of every different size, shape of, of person and rock and whatever, but we all fit and we all have a place to, to be in God's kingdom. And so we need to understand I'm living for his purposes. I'm not living like all those grumpy holiday drivers and shoppers that are out there yelling at people. It's supposed to be about peace, love, and joy, and happiness, and baby Jesus, and you know, all of that stuff. But they're grumpy, and I see them. And you know why they're grumpy? Because it's all about me and my kingdom. 
It's all, all about my happiness, and it's all about my speed limit, not the speed limit of the person in front of me, right? You know, like, you're going way too slow. How dare you, right? And I fall into this sometimes, and I gotta remind myself, wait, I'm, I'm in a new kingdom now. There's a new boss, and I'm supposed to do things his way. He's got plans for me that are good. I don't need to be calling all the shots. I was in the parking lot, um, above the parking lot, of quinoa the other day, and I love quinoa. You guys love Chinese food, quinoa? Oh, they're so good, so good. But I was upstairs, and my son was taking ukulele lessons, Royce Akumas, and I was waiting for him, so I was looking down at this lot, and if you guys know anything about that parking lot, it's the craziest, tightest, like there's people coming and going, and there's a, some people are actually supposed to be getting gas and going in there in the gas station. It's mental, and I'm watching this, and I'm going, oh man, the holidays are here, and people are, you know, and I saw this lady, doing her best, trying to get out of a stall. Someone else is trying to get in this way. Someone's trying to get in this way. And there's cars behind her. And she's just doing her thing, like just trying really hard, doing good. And I'm just like, good luck, lady. You know, I'm just like saying a prayer for her. Oh, you got it. You know, I'm watching from above. But you know what's weird? She's trying to get out of her, her deal. And there's this guy that's just standing there. He's just standing. I'm watching this all go down. He's just standing. He's just grumpy. He's looking at her. And she sees him in her rear view. He's just standing back there. And I'm like, why does this guy care? I'm like, is he with her or whatever? He's not even driving. He's standing in the lot. And he's just going, move already. Do something. Get out of the way. And I'm like, how is this guy? He, he could care less. He could just walk away and not even you know, worry about it. But he's just barking at this poor lady. And I'm just thinking, why do people do that? Well, they do that because they're focused on self, because they're not submitted to an authority that says, you don't have to be like that. You can be a light to this world. You don't have to give in to that. Listen to my plans are better for you. Be cool. (laughs) Be patient. Love people. It's Christmas, right? But we want to get all uptight in that. And praise God, I fit in God's kingdom and that I can follow his plans because they're so much better. Here's the fourth thing that's about um, us being under the kingdom of God. I was king, now, I, now he's the king. Here's the fourth thing, and this one's really profound. He is a way better king than I could ever be. Just write that down, plain and simple. He is a way better king than I could ever be. Matthew 6, 13, 33, sorry, says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Plain and simple, seek his kingdom above all else, and he'll give you everything you need. There's the basic reason, the best reason I got for us to say, I'm not the king anymore, I want God to be the king, because it says, if I seek God as my king above all else and I live righteously, then he will give me everything I need. That is a guarantee that I cannot make for myself. I don't know about you, but can you honestly say, I can guarantee that if I'm the king in my life, I will have all my needs met. There's one that I'm still working on to this day and it has never worked out for me that I need to be the servant because God is a way better king than I could ever be. I learned this lesson and I love this story and I always go back to it because it was such a strong life lesson for me. And I, you may have heard it before, but I'm gonna tell it again because it, it makes a point for me. When I was in, living in Huntington Beach for a while, I, lived at, I worked at this place where I'd calibrate machinery and I'd go around to all these different places. I was on the freeway every single day and I would calibrate all this testing equipment. And I had been putting all of this mileage on my own personal truck all this time. Finally, the boss said, you know what, Carl, you're doing a good job. We're going to reward you. We're going to get you a company car to drive so you don't have to put miles on your car. We're going to give you a gas card so you can pay for all the gas. You can take the company car home and use it as a personal vehicle also because you're a, a field service engineer. You need all this. And I'm just thinking, God, an answer to prayer. I don't have to take care of my own truck anymore. And I get a an awesome truck of my own from the company and I get to do this and all oh, this is good. And they're like, oh, by the way, what kind of a car do you want? I'm like, I get to pick? 
Like, yeah, I'm like, praise you, God, you know? And it's like, I, I, I want a truck, because I'm a guy, and I live in Huntington Beach, and I'm a, I want a truck, right? And so they're like, okay, you can get a truck. What do you want in the truck? I'm like, what do you mean, what do I want? You want AC, you want power windows, you want Z oh, I get to pick? Oh, God, you're so good, you know, like you meet all my needs, right? And so I'm just like going through the list and the colors and the carpet scheme and all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, this is incredible. This is the best job ever, right? It's coming up to the day before I'm going down to the showroom to pick everything out and to do all this stuff for this truck. And the boss goes, oh, we got a little change of plans, Carl. I'm like, oh, what? You know, like, oh, you just want to downgrade from the limited edition to the basic? That's okay. I'll, that's cool, you know, right? And they go, no. Uh, Barb up in accounting in the front office, she's getting rid of her car. She wants to get a new one. So we're going to give you Barb's car. And I was like, <laughs> no, right? And I'm just thinking, wait, I was getting a truck. Now I'm getting Barb's car. B Barb's old, and Barb's car literally is an Oldsmobile. Just the name alone tells you, Oldsmobile. That's what, where's my truck? God, I was praying, that's why I need that truck so bad, right? And he goes, hey, here's your Oldsmobile, right? Full-on four-door sedan with just like the soft shocks, leather seats, all of that, but I'm like, it's gray, it's an Oldsmobile, I want a truck, God, I, I need that truck, you didn't come through for me. And I remember, because God's timing is always so amazing and impeccable. It was within, I don't know, it just seemed really short. It felt like it was the next day, it was probably within weeks or whatever, but my wife came to me and she goes, oh, Carl, guess what, I'm pregnant. I was like, whoa, crazy, you know, our first kid, and all that, and, and I'm just thinking, oh, that's great, and all of it's gonna come up with that pregnancy, and then it hit me somewhere along the line, God said, aren't you glad I gave you a family car versus a truck that you would never fit your kid or your stroller or any of that stuff in? And all of a sudden, it just hit me. God, it's about your kingdom and your purposes. If I seek you, you meet all my needs. Sometimes my wants are not my needs, and you meet my needs. So you know what? I had the most comfortable cruise, awesome, like temperature control, dual temperature. Honey, are you warm? You can warm up, and I'll stay cool on my side, right? And it had sunroof, and it had just a smooth ride, leather seat, so all of the Cheerios and gunk would just wipe right off. Like, that's awesome. And you know what? I was a proud owner of an Oldsmobile, you know, with my family and my kids. And God taught me the lesson that I'll never forget. I know better than you. You stay the servant, let me be the king, right? You're a way better king than I could ever be, God. And that's what it is as I walk out this role and as I understand that, that sometimes the things that I, in my old kingdom mentality myself, they're wrong because if God is my new king, he is always right, he's always better. Sometimes the trial that I'm going through when I say, God, I need you to take me out of the trial, God says, no, what you really need is for me to strengthen you in the trial so you become stronger for the next trials to come. Oh, I never thought of it that way. You see what happens when we make God our king? Isn't that good? Here's the next point I have for you. I used to look like the world, now I look like Christ. Plain and simple, what's our new role as Christians? We're supposed to look like Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to blend in too well with the world. Can I say that again? We're not supposed to blend in too well with the world. We're not supposed to get too comfortable here because we're strangers. Here's the first point, I'm a stranger to this world. John 15, 19 says, the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you're no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, and so it hates you. You were called to be strangers to this world. Jesus said if we're really following him right, our Christianity should show. He's asking us, does your Christianity show? There's that quote that I don't, I honestly can never track down whoever said this quote, but I love this quote. It says, if you are arrested and put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? 
If someone said, oh, this guy's a Christian, let's go try him and let's see you know, what we have. How does he, is he proving he's a Christian? Uh, no, we can't prove anything. He doesn't look like he's a Christian at all. Ouch, right? Shame on us if we don't look different from the world. If we're under new kingdom authority and new role, rules and new role what we're walking in and it doesn't show, if our Christianity doesn't show, we're doing it wrong, plain and simple. We are not called to just come into this world, have Jesus, and then hide Jesus, and just sit and blend in with everybody else. The great commission, the great calling on all of us is that we would shine what we have to the rest of the world and let them see it so that they could know how good God is too, amen? And so we gotta understand that my, my Christianity better show. I'm a stranger to this world. I'm not part of this world. I shouldn't get too comfortable. There's a point when I can joke around with all the guys, you know, around the water cooler, around the back of the pickup truck and tell the jokes, but as soon as they start slipping into things that go against my faith or against what God wants me to talk about for other people, there's a point when I gotta get uncomfortable and awkward and go, guys, I'm backing out of this conversation. And not to judge anybody or put anybody down, but there's a point when I gotta realize I'm a stranger to this stuff because I stand for God. There's, there's a point where I can only go so far. Paul said, be all things to all men so that by any means necessary, some would be saved. That's good, but he's not talking about compromising your faith. He's talking about if you're hanging with the boys, do what the boys do. But if it leads to sin or something that's wrong from God, that's where you draw the line. And you say, now you know what? I'm gonna be a stranger to you in this aspect. I love you, but I'm not gonna go that far because I'm committed to, to God. I'm supposed to look like Jesus Christ. There's a point where it's gonna be uncomfortable, we're gonna suffer, we're gonna get awkward, people are gonna tease us. Someone was telling me the other day, yeah, I always hang out with this one friend and all he, all he ever does is tease me. Hey, church boy, hey, churchy guy, hey, holy man, hey, all of this. And he goes, yeah, it gets old after a while, but you know what, I'm glad it shows. I'm glad he sees that in my life. And I said, yeah, absolutely, because why? Because we're strangers. We're, we're still in this world, but spiritually speaking, we're not to give in to all of the, the spiritual desires, the, the worldliness, the greed, the, all of that stuff. Jesus said, no, you, you live in my house now. Yeah, you're in that world, but you're not of the world. You're, you're living in my house to so live for my purposes. Get used to being different. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You learn to know God's perfect, pleasing, and good will for you if you are not copying the same behaviors of the world because they're going one way and you're swimming against the stream. And the, the sooner that we, we really get that, the sooner we're gonna start to see God beginning to bless us. But there's times when it's gonna get uncomfortable. Pastor Tom told me a story that someone wrote him a letter, an email. And the email was someone that used to go to the church and now they don't for whatever reasons. And now they were just putting Tom on blast and going, how could you be a pastor? You're a hypocrite. You think you're this and you're leading people to this and you think you're holy and blah, 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 blah. And you know, Pastor Tom said, hey, it, it hurt. It's a bummer, I, I love that person. I'm sad that they turned away and now for some reason they're taking it all out on me. I didn't do anything bad to them. I used to love them, pray for them and encourage them. And I go, wow, how'd you respond to that thing? He said, I just responded and saying, sorry, I'm not gonna compromise my faith in God. I love Jesus, I'm gonna live for him. I'm not judging you. I, I hope that you know him too and how good he is, but this is who God made me. And I'm flawed and I'm not perfect, but I belong to Jesus and so I live for Jesus. So I'm not gonna apologize for what you think is wrong. This is who God has called me to be. This is my role, amen? We gotta take a stand because we don't fit with the world. We, we should be a little bit different. And if we're taking a stand, we understand Jesus took a stand for us. We gotta take a stand for him. Here's what Philippians 1.29 says. For you've been given 
Not only this privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. There's gonna be times we suffer. He says, for we are in the struggle together. You've seen my struggle in the past. You know that I'm still in the midst of it. Even in the times when you're suffering, you still gotta believe that it's worth it to take a stand for God. Because when you stand for him, he will come in, he'll rescue you. I was reading this in my devotion. I just wanna share this with you. It's not in the notes. Um, but I read this and I was, I was thinking the words of the song that we sang this morning, um, that song that says, I will rise. Because um, there's times when you take hits for holding on to your faith and for being a Christian. But this is what Micah 7.7 7 says. Just write this down, Micah 7.7. 7. Super encouraging. It says, as for me, I look to the Lord for help. I wait confidently for God to save me, and my God will certainly hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in the darkness, the Lord will be my light. Isn't that good? There's times when you're gonna suffer and you feel like you, you fell and people are accusing you and you, just, you don't fit and you're, you're taking persecution. But God goes, don't worry, I got you. You're down right now, but you will rise again. God is gonna bring us into his light. And here's the second thing. Aside from being strangers to the world, we better understand this. I am now an enemy of the devil. You've got to understand, we can't ignore, you can't just have the good without the bad. You guys know what I'm saying here? People are like, oh, I don't want to talk about the bad stuff. Let's just worship Jesus. Well, if you do, you're going to let your guard down because the devil doesn't forget about you. You think you can forget about him and focus only on God? He's not letting down his guard. He's not letting up anything. Because why? You used to live in a kingdom where you were good with him. And when you died, you were going to end up seeing him anyway, so he didn't care about you. But now that you've drawn sides and said, I'm a follower of God, I live in God's house, suddenly you just made a new enemy and he's a powerful enemy. He does have power. His whole reason for being is to steal and to kill and destroy you. John 10, 10 tells us that, right? So we gotta be aware there's a real enemy. First Peter 5, 8 says, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. And it warns us to watch out because he's gonna try to take us out. Second Corinthians 4, 4 said, Satan, who is called the God of this world, God has allowed him to have power and authority in this world because we let him in in the Garden of Eden. We let the enemy into the camp and now he's running things around here. And God goes, you know what? I've given you all the free choice to choose him or to choose me. So I allow him for a time and a season for him to be messing stuff up. But he's here, he has power. But if you choose me, you can stand against it. But we gotta realize Satan, who's a great, is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. The thing we gotta realize is we have a very real and a very powerful enemy that's out there. We can't ignore it. We can't just make like, oh, well, as long as I focus on the good, the bad doesn't exist. It's, it's not the case. The word tells us it's not the case. In fact, when, when you, when you kind of take up sides and go, I'm, I'm gonna stand against the enemy, I'm gonna pray against this so he doesn't blast me here. The problem is we gotta be smarter than that because he's called the great deceiver for a reason in the Bible. He's called the Lord of lies because he won't come at you where you're expecting it. He's gonna go around the, the sideway and he's gonna blindside you. And so I'm not saying this that we live in fear, not by any means, because perfect love casts out all fear, but that we would walk in the knowledge of, I gotta be aware, I gotta be prayed up, I gotta be smart. If this is my role now, I gotta be living a little bit in the defense and make sure that enemy doesn't try to take me out because I know he, he's out there and he's trying to take me out. So we stand firm, we resist him, right? Resist the enemy and he will flee. But here's a question that I want you to ask yourself because I asked it myself when I was reading this. If I'm an enemy of the devil now, am I gonna choose to be an easy target for him or am I gonna, am I gonna choose to be a threat against him? Because I wanna be a threat to the enemy. 
I want to be someone that stands up with the power of God that is coming against his forces and his darkness, and I'm winning souls back from him to the kingdom of God. And that he tries to knock me down, and you know what? I'm pushing back because I'm going to be a threat. We talked about this the other week. There's times when you go through the hard stuff, but you can either sit there and go, oh, and be the easy target from this enemy that's out there, or you can stand up and go, no, I'm not going to put up with it. And there comes a time when the pushback wins and God leads you to that next level of blessing in your life. But I'm just saying, we got to be aware that we are now enemies with the devil. And here's the third thing in dealing with this whole thing of I used to look like the world, now I look like Christ. Third point, I look and I love like Jesus. We need to understand that the whole goal is to be like Jesus and the main stuff that Jesus was all about was love and relationships. We said it last week. All he was about is I love the Father in heaven and I love other people. And the more we're intentional about that, the more we're we're showing the world, this is my new role. I used to live for myself. Now I live for God and it's I look like this. I look like Jesus. I look and live like Jesus. 1 John 2, 6, very simple, short verse says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. In other words, walk your talk. In other words, put your money where your mouth is. If you say you're a Christian, you believe in God, then there should be visible changes. You should look like Jesus, right? You call yourself Christian, you took on his name, so you gotta be Christ-like. And so my new role now is how do I look like Jesus? Because the more you hang out with anybody in life, you start to act like them and look like them, right? Isn't that just a common fact? Think about your best friends and you start using the same words and you tell the same jokes and there's the same like inflection in your voice when you ask certain questions and you can finish your wife's sentences or she can finish your, when you hang out with people a lot, you start to become like them, right? Well, if we're hanging out with Jesus because he's the king and the Lord of our life, then it should show that we're gonna start looking like him. And we're gonna start having a priority for love and relationships in our life. A love for God and a love for other people. Because there's two things I know about this love stuff. When you have a love for God, it makes you blessable. When you have a love for God that says, I'm all out for God and his purposes, then God will unload the blessings in your life and he will honor you loving him. It makes you blessable. And when you love others, it makes you a blessing, right? And that's so cool, because that's all what life's all about is, I wanna be blessed and I wanna bless others. And you do that by loving God and loving other people. But guys, it, it, it's, it's intentionality that counts. It's not like, oh, I'm a Christian now. No, you have to work at it. You have to honestly, when it says love God, that means have a love for his word. The main way that God communicates to you, if relationships are all about communication, the main way he communicates is through his word. Yeah, through prayer and all that stuff. But you go to Bible study sometimes and everybody's like, oh, what'd you read in the word this week? Are, are you loving God? Are you connecting to him? Oh, yeah, yeah, here's what I got. And then some people are just kind of like, oh, I don't know, I, I read the Daily Bread and here's my little like, uh, quote from Ben Franklin and here's my scripture. And you're like, oh, that's good, but that's, that's poo-poos. That's appetizers. That's not the main course. Uh, we're, we're glad you're snacking on the word of God, but you need to feast on the word of God, amen? If we're gonna really get fed and show our love for God, we're gonna be like, God, talk to me, speak to me. Let me open up your word. What do you have to say to me? And if you're reading somewhere that you think is just not speaking to you, you know what you do? You don't shut it, you keep reading, read further, look somewhere else. Because there's times when you're reading and you're just going, oh God, I'm just hurting right now and you know, this is going on and you're stuck in like Levitical law and you're like, oh man, 
I gotta boil my clothes and stay outside the camp for a week because I sinned, and you're like, what is this? But you know what? Keep reading, God's word will feed you. If you love God, you're gonna seek after him, you're gonna chase him, you're gonna be running, running after all that you are. See, I don't even know the words, but I know that I love God and I'm running after him. So I get into his word, and when I come to worship, it's not music time for me, it's worship, because I love God. And if I love God in worship, and in the word, and in prayer, and I'm just reaching out to him with all that I got, I become so blessable. I become this place where God cannot help but just turn the faucet on and just blast my life with his love, with his blessings, with his Holy Spirit, and that's, that's what I need to keep me going. The second thing about Jesus Christ, that he didn't just love the Father, he had intentional love for other people in this world. He made himself available. Now granted, there was the times when Jesus had to escape the crowds because he needed to go recharge on the loving God part so he could have the power to go back out to the people. He did that from time to time. But he was always able to be aware and helpful, and someone needs something, let me pray for them. Oh, you need healing? Let me just do this. Oh, you, need, you guys are looking for wisdom? You're lost, you're like sheep without a shepherd? Let me give you a big fat sermon and just tell you about the wisdom of God. He was always looking to love other people. Guys, this is how you look like Jesus, in loving God and loving other people. Pastor Brad, our youth pastor, told me this story. He went the other day, he has his own, you know how we all have our own like kind of personal place of refuge and safety and quiet to get away from the world? Some of you guys go hiking, some of you guys have a room in the house or whatever, you know, what, wherever it is. So Brad's place of solitude, you know, like Superman or whatever, Fortress of Solitude, happens to be Gomate Ramen Restaurant down in Waikiki and Ward or in Alamoana, two locations. So Brad is always down there. Like you look at his Twitter and stuff, he's like, I'm at Gomate. He's like taking pictures of his ramen. That's his personal little escape zone. So he goes down there the other day by himself, no friends, right? Just there because that's where he needs to commune and just to have quiet time. He says it's his dojo, right? I was in my dojo. So he goes down there and he's sitting there and he says this. Some guy sat down next to him at the table right next to him a tourist from Jersey or somewhere, and he said the guy just started talking to him. And Brad's like, oh, yeah. And he goes, hey, is this place good, man? What do you recommend? What's on the menu? What, what is all this tantan rock? What does that mean? You know? And Brad's just like, oh, uh, yeah, just, just order that one, number one. That's good. And he's just trying to be, I need to have my personal space, right? And he said the guy kept talking to him. So Brad finally says, oh, you know what? I'm just, I guess I'll start talking back to him. And he began to realize that God was kind of telling him, look, I brought this guy to you. And basically, Brad was saying this, like, I, I don't ever turn off my ministry. And as Christians, we don't ever turn the love off. We don't, no matter where we are, we always gotta be like Jesus. If I'm gonna look like Jesus, he always had his love switch on, full blast, right? And he's ready. So this guy started talking to him. So they strike up a conversation. What do you do? Oh, I'm, a, I'm a youth pastor, you know. Hey, I used to go to church, and the guy's telling him about his life and the, some of the stuff that's happened in his life and how he's kind of coming back to trying to find God again. So Brad jumps in with his personal testimony, with how good God is, with what he does for a living, with all this. The guy ends up buying Brad his dinner, and Brad's like, score, bonus, awesome. <laughs> And he gives Brad his business card, and he goes, hey, let's keep in touch, man. He just made a friend. He changed that guy's life that day. It may not be some super drastic. We don't know, but enough that he would buy Brad dinner and want to be friends with him and stuff. And I just think you never turn off the love button in your life. You never turn off the love switch. You're always keeping it on. Because why? Because I want to look like Jesus. I used to look like the world that was all about me, and I could separate from everything and just be grumpy, but I don't want to be like that. I want to be like Jesus. Because if I'm like Jesus and loving like Jesus, then I'm blessing the world, God is making me blessable, and my life gets better and I understand my role that much better. Um, well, another person told me this, uh, we were talking about mini church and we gotta connect people. And guys, I'm gonna just keep on 
hammering on this point, we have to be connecting with each other in the family of God. That's what keeps us strong and keeps us growing in Christ if we're connecting. So go invite someone to mini church today. I'm telling you this. We got to do this. It will build our church. But I was talking about this the other week, and someone said, I met this guy in the courtyard because you were saying that. And I started talking to him, and I was going to kind of get him involved. And then I discovered, oh, this guy is super weird. This guy is weird. He started saying weird stuff. And so my friend is telling me the story. He goes, yeah, I didn't know what to do because he was saying weird things and whatever and, and all this. And, he's, and, and my friend said this. He was thinking in his, in his head, God, who is going to connect this guy because he's weird, right? And he's thinking that in his head. And God just goes, you are. And he's like, you're right, I am. You know, I'm here. I'm talking to him. God doesn't want me to ever turn off my love switch. If I'm going to be like Jesus, Jesus came for people like that, weird guys. And on the other hand, we're all weird. So who are we to talk, right? So he connected the guy, and he got him into church. And I thought, that's what I want to be like. I, I tried to do my little escape the other week and have quiet time at the beach. And I'm sitting there, and it's raining. And I don't even care. And I'm just like sitting at the beach on a weekday. It was my day off Monday. And someone comes walking up, and they're like, hey. I was like, oh, hey, how's it? Who's this guy? You know, I'm sitting there, and I try to like just kind of turn. You know, in my head, I'm just thinking, I don't really know if I want to talk. And then the guy's like, hey, I go to your church. I'm like, oh, just feeling super convicted. I'm trying to hide, right? And he goes, hey, my name's Ikaika. Ikaika, are you here today? No, there he is right there. And, and so he starts talking to me. And I instantly felt convicted. And I felt God say, who are you to turn that, that stuff off? You're the pastor. He takes the time to go to your church. You need to take the time. And I just thought, yeah, how lame am I to focus on myself? Jesus was always available for every opportunity to make friends, to meet people, to build relationships. So I made a new friend. We had a really good, cool talk and about his life and our, everything that's going on. And I sat there. And I was so blessed that I actually wasn't selfish and thinking, I'm just going to spend my little time. I actually made a friend, got to know someone. It actually made my day. And see, the point of it is, is we always have to go everywhere we're going to go. If we're going to look like Jesus, we're always looking to love on people, to meet people, to bless people, to pray for people. It's all about love and relationships. And I used to look like the world, but I'm so thankful I'm starting to look more and more like Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's our goal is, God, if you're the king of my life, you give me all I need, Matthew 6, I can't guarantee that, but you can. And God, if I am looking like your son, Jesus, that means I have more and more love for you and more and more love for other people. I become blessable, and I become a blessing. Isn't that good? That's our role as Christians. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for, for the fact that you are a good God, that you made time for us, Lord. And it's the least that we can do to, to make time for you and to make time for others, Father God. And as we walk out this role of what it is to be a Christian, Lord, it involves, number one, giving you all the authority and letting you be the king and the Lord of our life. And secondly, it's that we would allow you to change us and to mold us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray specifically right now for Hope Chapel, Kanyoi Bay, all of our family members in here right now, Lord, that we would go out there and we would represent you well this holiday season. Lord, there's a lot of grumpiness and a lot of stress and a lot of stuff happening because Christmas is, is coming and there's all of this stuff going on. But Lord, I pray that we would allow you to be the king and your purposes in your kingdom would take, take life in our hearts and in our minds and that we would live for you, Father God, and that we would copy you and not copy the behaviors and the customs and the traditions of this world. But Lord, we'd, we'd be all about loving people and getting into relationship with them. Father, let us specifically right now have a new, fresh anointing of your love and your peace for other people in the season. We'd be quick to pray, quick to love, quick to lead people to you. We'd go out there, we'd invite people to Christmas Eve services. We'd invite them into many churches. 
Lord, we would represent you well living in your kingdom. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, inspire us. Thank you for loving me. And in Jesus' mighty name, the church family said, amen. amen. Praise God. Praise God.